Our passage for today is in Acts 2, starting at verse 22. And you'll know that at this moment in Acts, Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, is preaching to the crowd that has assembled. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here today. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is God's word. Thank you, Stephen. Hello, everyone. It is good to be with you. As Stephen said, I'm Shauna. Just Shauna is fine. And today I'm picking up on the series we started last week, Church on Fire, working through the book of Acts. Last week, Dan kicked off the series talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church. And so if you missed that, I'd encourage you to catch up online. And so where we're picking up, earlier in Acts chapter 1, Jesus told the disciples who would later start the church, who would birth the church, 
to wait on the gift that the Father would send, the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the power that they would need to live in the call that he had on their lives, to birth the church here on earth, to build the kingdom. And so today, we pick up in Acts chapter two on the second half, where now the Holy Spirit has come. And we begin to see what it looks like to be the church on fire. What it looks like when the Holy Spirit comes and takes up full residence in our hearts and flows through us. We see that when the Holy Spirit comes, three key things happen. A lot more, but three things that we see in this text. The Holy Spirit transforms our lives and our stories. The Holy Spirit points us always to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit changes our hearts and our lives in revolutionary ways. And so we'll work our way through those three things. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, we just pray that you would speak your word this morning, that you would do exactly what you have planned for each person sitting here this morning. I pray that we would not leave here unchanged, but that your Holy Spirit would grow large in our hearts, Lord, and that you would empower us to do all the things that you have called us to do in our contexts. Amen. transforms. Our culture is always on the quest of self-transformation, living your best life, finding your best self. And so I did a quick Google search just to see how I could go about transforming my life. And unsurprisingly, hundreds of books, articles, to-do lists, life coaching programs, podcasts, came up. This is a huge business, if you're interested. And so, a few of the titles were The Complete Guide to Becoming Your Best Self. How to Change Your Life in One Day. <laughs> 100 Simple Ways to Change Your Life. Each of these articles, lists that I went down a rabbit hole looking through were recommending a lot of similar things. They were suggesting things from setting goals, putting yourself first, exercising more, drinking more water, to changing your wardrobe. One focused on getting that best mascara for your lashes. <laughs> All important things. And while these suggestions, well most of them, or if you're into mascara, most of them are helpful and useful they lack the power to give us that deeper transformation that we really need and desire. What our world, our friends, our colleagues really need and long for. And so we come back to these lists and resolutions year after year, unable to transform ourselves. Acts chapter two shows us a different way. Acts two teaches us about a different kind of transformation, one that is beyond ourselves. A deep transformation that only the Spirit of God living in us can work. Peter is a good example of this transformation. The call on Peter's life was to play a key role in the building of the church. 
When Jesus first called Peter, he called him by saying, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Despite this huge call on Peter's life though, around 50 or so days prior to where we are in the text, we meet Peter outside the temple courts. Jesus has been arrested and he's been accused and is on trial. And in a temper, Peter denies Jesus, who he walked with, who he was close to. He denies Jesus three times. Who he meets here is Peter the coward, Peter the traitor, Peter the quick-tempered man, the one who would often speak before thinking, getting himself into trouble, a man afraid to even be associated with Jesus. In his own strength, like us, Peter could not live out the call on his life. But when the Holy Spirit came on Peter at Pentecost and took up residence inside his life, setting him ablaze, we see a boldness that we have never seen before in Peter. A strength, a level-headedness, a confidence that is beyond Peter's natural capacity. And this is good news for us. Jesus was not surprised by Peter's failures or his weaknesses, and he's not surprised by ours as individuals or as the church. Yet he still calls us to carry out his mission here on earth. John Owen said, every time we say we believe in the Holy Spirit, we mean that we believe there is a living God, able and willing to enter the human personality and change it. The key thing that we learn from Peter's life then here, amidst this glorious sermon that he preaches, is that Jesus never places a call on your life. He never gives you a mission and expects you to accomplish it in your own strength. He never calls you to a context, a hard place, and expects you to do it on your own. He has sent his Holy Spirit. As I was reflecting on this fact that we do nothing in our own strength, I was reminded of one of my less shiny moments in life. And so I was living in Canada and I went home to Jamaica where I'm from for a while and I was doing some research. So I thought, I'm here for a while, let me join a gym, you know, work on my fitness and that kind of thing. And so the first day I showed up at this gym and I figured, I always go to the gym, I'll do the same thing that I've always done. And so I went and there was a barbell thing and I stacked the weights on each end so that I could do a squat and there were two problems though. I hadn't exercised in a while. And two, I forgot that in Canada and Jamaica, they use separate, they use very different metric systems. So I was used to lifting pounds. And in Jamaica, they do kilograms. And so I went ahead and I stacked on like at the highest level that I could do in pounds. And I, not realizing that it was actually kilograms, which is essentially double what it would have been in pounds. And I saw these guys walking around and they looked a little bit concerned. 
Um, and offered to kind of like, oh, are you sure you're okay? But you know, I was thinking, strong, independent woman, I'm good, don't you worry. And so I did not <laughs> take any help. And so I went and I put on this over my shoulder. And so I, as soon as I put the weight on, I knew I was in big trouble, <laughs> big trouble. But you know, I was, I already rejected the help. I couldn't change at that moment. And so I said, I'll just attempt. And so not even like halfway down, I literally fell backwards, knocking over all the things behind me, nearly having the weight fall on the people behind me. It was a huge commotion. What an embarrassment. And that is what, after I was preparing, the Lord brought that back to me. And that is how it is sometimes with us when we try to do these big things for God on our own, in our own strength, or on a strength that we might have had long ago in the Holy Spirit, but not based on a living, daily reliance on the Holy Spirit. We fall back ways and make a huge spread and this is why we don't move in our own strength. This is why Jesus said, wait on the power, wait on the Holy Spirit. And so for some of us, we may sense God's call on our lives to work in different contexts. It might be to preach, or it might be to work in finance, whatever it is. But when we look at ourselves, or weaknesses, or age, or personality, whether you're introverted, extroverted, we feel that we could never do what we're called to do. And so we might think, and many of you may have felt a call on your life at some point, but somewhere along the way, you have felt that, uh, maybe I heard wrong, I could never do that. Well, today, Jesus is reminding us that it is his Holy Spirit who comes alongside us and accomplishes the work. Peter knew this reality firsthand. He knew that it is God in us, that God, the Holy Spirit, is the one who is able to transform and equip us. And so later, in 2 Peter 1, verse 3, he wrote, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Everything we need if we have the Holy Spirit living in us. So whatever we need to live our Christian lives, to navigate this very complex cultural moment that we are living in today as the church, we have the Holy Spirit to, like Peter, give us the boldness that we need to speak the truth, even when everyone else disagrees. But beyond this, as we open our lives to the work of the Holy Spirit, we become channels for streams of living water to flow into our contexts, into our workplaces, our schools, our homes, bringing the fragrance of Christ into these places, but also into our hard places. A few years ago, I found myself in a very hard place that I would have never asked for. I found myself spending days in the hospital. I became very ill, and a part of that was that I had to go to a clinic for many days over a long time. It was the absolute worst time of my life. I cannot think of a time that was harder than that. 
And I remember thinking in that time, each day I had to go, it was so hard. I remember at that time thinking, oh, if I could be like those Christians who go through hard times and they are just full of joy, full of peace, witnessing, but I really struggled. And I remember telling God that I just could not do it. I couldn't bring myself to that place. And so each day I would go, and as I would go, I would ask the Lord, just help me today. Give me what I need today. And so I did that for a long time, and a few months later, after I'd stopped going, I ran into this lady in town, I'll call her Gail, and she, was, she ran the front desk in that clinic, and she was so excited to see me, and she was so excited saying that she missed having me around, and I was so confused. She said to me that when I was there, each day that I came into the clinic, I brought such joy and life and peace into that clinic that she had never seen before. And I was so confused, so confused, because all I knew was that I went in just asking God to help me today. I can't do much, but he helped me. His Holy Spirit, that was not in my strength, his Holy Spirit helped me. God's deep work is often done in the trenches, in the valleys, and like Peter, in those parts of our stories that we would rather forget. In those spaces, the Holy Spirit fills our lives, enabling us to do far greater than we could do in our own strength. Empowering us to walk fully in our purpose, even when it leads through hard roads and in that way bringing glory to Jesus alone. And so that leads to my second point, that the Holy Spirit, as he works in our lives, as he speaks to us, always points to Jesus. And that's what we see in the text, that a mark of the church on fire is that Jesus always takes center stage. Jesus is always glorified. In John 14, Jesus says, when the advocate the spirit of truth comes. He will testify about me. And in chapter 15, Jesus goes on to say that the Holy Spirit will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. So as Simon Ponsonby puts it, the Holy Spirit is like a spotlight and Jesus is at the center of the stage. And so we see it in Peter's sermon, which is marked by two things, scripture and Jesus, and the scriptures point to Jesus. In this short text, Peter quotes Joel chapter two, Psalm 16, Psalm 110, and makes over 18 references to Jesus. In this critical moment, when Peter had the attention of thousands, he decides to hold a Bible study. He doesn't debate with them, he doesn't pre present any new or shiny ideas or philosophies. He holds a Bible study, he opens the word. And while God can speak in various ways, he most commonly speaks to us through his word. And you might have had that experience where as you open the words, it feels like Jesus is speaking exactly to what you are going through. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. And that is a mark of the church on fire, that we are continually pressing into the word, 
hearing what God is saying, how he's leading, how he's comforting, how he's correcting us, and always being willing to share that with others. The second thing, and perhaps most importantly, is that besides being immersed in the word, Peter glorified Jesus. The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to bear witness to Jesus in whatever spaces we exist in. When the Holy Spirit is present in our lives, we can't help but talk about Jesus. I met a postgrad this week for coffee, and I was asking her how her year has been, how is she growing, what's she learning, and the one thing she had to say to me was that this year she decided to open her life more to the work of the Holy Spirit. And she said that as soon as she did that, she noticed a massive change in her life. Normally being reserved, very respectful of people's spaces, now she cannot help but share the gospel with people at the bus stop, with people at the library, wherever she is, that once the Holy Spirit has moved into her life, she is compelled to speak of Jesus. Our world is hurting and is in desperate need of healing. And our practice, well not ours, but the world in general, our practice is to look inside for inner strength, inner peace, positivity, whatever it is. But Jesus alone is the answer to the problems that we face. And that is our role, to direct everyone's gaze up to Jesus, the only one who can save. And finally, the Holy Spirit convicts and changes us. When the Holy Spirit is at work among us as the church, there is a conviction and there is a reaction. In speaking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus said in John 16, verse eight, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. And we see that in the text. Verse 37 says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other disciples, brothers, what should we do? While the first half of Peter's speech, which explained tongues and everything was important, that did not change the people standing before him. It was necessary and good, but they were cut to the heart at the message of Jesus and what he has done for us. And that is the message that we carry. That is the greatest gift that we could give to anyone, the message of Jesus. And so it is with us, as we read the word or listen to sermons, we hear the Lord speaking to us about our own lives, highlighting things in our lives that may hamper us on the mission that might hold us back a bit, whether it be gossip, wrong patterns of thinking, habitual sins in our lives, that is the work of the Holy Spirit, highlighting these things. And this is not to condemn us, it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. It is the kindness of God that highlights things in our lives that would prevent us from being more like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is absolutely committed to this transforming work. As Dan pointed out last week, the crowd listening to Peter came from all over the world. 
And now, having come to know the truth, having come to receive Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit, they would now go back and spread out across the world, carrying this massive treasure, carrying this power inside of them that would set the world ablaze. And Oxford is a city much like this. It's much like the context and the people to whom Peter was preaching. Right here we have people gathered from every nation. People come here to work, to study, all these things. And often we are sent back out to our different places, to different contexts, to colleges, to classrooms, whatever it is, we are sent back out. This power is not meant to stay right here. We come here and we meet Jesus and we are filled with power and sent out into our context to bring streams of living water, to bring Jesus into our context. And so it is so important that as Christians we seek the continuous filling, the continuous work of the Holy Spirit so that we may be effective witnesses in our context. And so let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that you are bringing to mind the things that you want to work in us, oh God, the things that you are transforming. I thank you that you are reminding people of the call that you spoke to them months, years ago, Lord, and that you are renewing that and reminding them that it is your Holy Spirit who will do the great work. And so as we carry on with the rest of this service, we just pray, come Holy Spirit. Amen.